on that day, 3,000 people were added to the church. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pray for Pete. Lord, thank you so much for Pete. Lord, thank you for all that you've invested in him. Lord, for this message, but also over the years. Lord, he is a, he is a man of God. He is someone who is faithful to you, and we can see that faithfulness in him. And so, Lord, as I pray, I pray that as he preaches, Lord, that we would just sense that, that deep relationship that you have with him, and we'd be open to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are we on that? Hopefully. Lovely. Before I start, um, during the worship, I just looked over where Catherine and Anne was sitting. I know Anne's gone out with the children, but I just looked over you two sat there, Catherine. You don't have to tell Anne, it's all right. And I just sensed God smiling on you two. It was lovely. It was really lovely. And I think God wants to say to you, he just loves being in your presence as you love being in his. Emily. God just wants to say to you, he's so pleased with you. He's so chuffed that you're one of his. I just sense those things during the worship, and I thought, well, they could be licensed today, so I'm going to use it. (laughs) (laughs) Just a word of warning before we get going. Um, I twisted my knee on Friday, and it gave way. So if halfway through the preaching I go over, (laughs) it might be the power of the Holy Spirit, but it might just be the knee giving way. And you, you've got a usual discernment one way or the other, okay? Um, <laughs> sorry? Sorry, but sorry, Baz. Um, <laughs> do you know what? This is our church. Sue and I really see this as our home. And um, I've never preached on a Sunday morning in my home church, so this is the first time. For me. We've been waiting until we're brave enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually, that made me quite nervous. Um, and it, yeah, there is a weight of responsibility when you preach. And I think, well, how can I deal with this responsibility? So I've entitled this morning's talk, It's All Leslie's Fault. <laughs> Leslie, who's one of our group leaders um, in our mission community. I find it so difficult to say mission community, don't you? I've come up with a new name, it might be helpful, are you ready for this? In our cell home community group mission fellowship thingy. (laughs) That might help you, I don't know. But in our our community group, um, a few weeks ago, Leslie said to me, and I hasten to add, with no notice whatsoever, she said, oh Pete, will you read this particular passage for us and talk about it for a few minutes? And I thought, oh, thanks, Les. <laughs> but actually, she chose one of my favourite passages in the whole of Scripture, featuring one of my favourite characters, Peter. Um, and if there's one place I would love to be a fly on the wall in the whole of the Bible, it's in Cornelius' house in Caesarea, yeah. Yeah. in Acts chapter 10. Just going to read you some of it. Um, Aid already read to us about Pentecost and... Uh, we, we refer back to that, but um, just want to read you some of what happened at Cornelius' house. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along with him. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, 
Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him stand up. It was made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it is good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message of God sent to the people of Israel, telling them the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he sent him around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews, and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead and called, raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is one, he is the one whom God has appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptised with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. They then asked Peter to stay with him for a few days. Wow. I, poor old Peter. I don't feel a bit sorry for him sometimes. And here's this guy. He spent three years with Jesus going around seeing the most amazing things. And then right at the end, he denied his Jesus. And then he saw Jesus crucified. But then the resurrection happened. And Jesus reinstated Peter. And then, yeah, that's pretty good then, and then Jesus goes back into heaven for goodness sake. But then Pentecost happens. And Peter's away again. He's preaching like never before. He's seeing people saved, people healed. It's amazing. It's incredible. Then he gets jailed. And it's these, it keeps going. And eventually, 
He's having a few days off. He's having a sabbatical. He's having a few days by the sea. Bit of R&R. Recharging his batteries. But he's still a devout man, is Peter. He's a true Jew. And he's praying and he's seeking God and he's up on the roof praying. And he sees this vision. And God says to him, don't call anything unclean. And Peter thinks, oh, what's that about then? And then some Gentiles turn up and ask him to go with them. You can imagine Peter going, oh, come on, God. You know, a joke's a joke. I've been through all this and now you're telling me to go with the Gentiles, but we're not allowed to. But Peter doesn't actually respond like that. Peter responds because God has spoken into his heart. And he has told him, don't call anything unclean. So when these Gentile men came to him and they said, come to Caesarea with us, he didn't hesitate. He just went with them. It's what Aid would call a wild goose moment. You know, you remember Aid's preaching on the Celtic view of the way the Celts saw, Celtic Christians saw the Holy Spirit as the wild goose. And we go on wild goose chases. And this was a wild goose moment for Peter. He had a choice to make. Should he stay safe with, in, and keep this new Christianity within the Jewish faith? Or should he go where people will misunderstand him? People will criticise him. People will get on his case. It's a wild goose moment. He goes to Cornelius' house. And mate, a real bottle, that man. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. And he, so he goes to... Cornelius' house, and he hears Cornelius' story of this vision of an angel telling him to send for Peter. And Cornelius says, Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Now that's got to be a preacher's dream. Yeah. To listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Now Peter has got a handle on preaching now. He's done it, he did it at Pentecost, it's all amazing happening. He did it in front of the Sanhedrin. He, he knows how to preach now, he's away, he's alright, he's on safe ground here, it's okay. And to be told, tell us everything, man, they've been for a four or five hour session, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just, just be thankful, I'm only going on for an hour and a half today. <laughs> <laughs> and so Peter's preaching and he's telling the story and he's telling about how well, the things that happened with Jesus and Jesus died. And yet he rose again in the resurrection and that people can know forgiveness for everything they've ever done that offended God through belief in Jesus Christ. And he's telling this story and he's away, he's happy. And then verses 44 and 45 happen, which sort of knocked the wind out of his sails a bit. Whilst Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit would be poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Now then, church, we're very fortunate here, aren't we? We've got quite a few preachers. There's Aid, Fraser, Polly, Rebecca, Matt, Pete, Rachel. We've got loads of preachers. I'm sure I missed a few out. But let me tell you one thing about preachers. Once they get going, it's really difficult to stop them. You know, they're in a world of their own, some of them. It's amazing. 
and without bringing God's word. And to stop them is quite remarkable. It's a remarkable thing. And it's got to have been dramatic. And Peter says, whilst we were still speaking, uh, the story says, whilst we were speaking in these words, the Holy Spirit came and we heard the message. Excuse me one second. In fact, when Peter goes back to Jerusalem in chapter 11, and he's got the report back and he's getting the criticism, and he's getting the people who say, what on earth do you think you're doing going over there? Peter stands up before the apostles and the believers and he says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us in the beginning. Whoa. As he had come on us in the beginning? What's Peter talking about? Well, I tell you, the apostles knew and the believers in Jerusalem knew because what had happened when the Holy Spirit came on them at the beginning? It was Acts chapter 2, it was Pentecost. It was when the Holy Spirit first fell and a new church was born. When the Holy Spirit first fell on all believers. Before that, through the whole of the Old Testament, you can trace the work of the Holy Spirit right from Genesis to Revelation. You can trace it through the whole of the Old Testament. But you never see the Holy Spirit falling on the whole group of people. It's not individuals. If we were saying our Alpha talks on a particular person at a particular time for a particular task. But now the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 that they read us at the start of the service has fallen on all people. And Peter says to the people of Jerusalem, as on us in the beginning. So the Holy Spirit fell dramatically. Well, what happened at Pentecost? The sound like a blowing of a violent wind filled the whole house. Whoa. There was an anointing for calling people to salvation. An anointing for calling people to recognise Jesus as the saviour of the world and to know that if they followed him they would know new life, life changing stuff. There was a telling of what happened to Jesus, his life, his death and resurrection that brought conviction on people. Such conviction on that day in Jerusalem when Peter stood up and preached his first sermon. Such conviction that the crowd, the the congregation, they weren't nice and quiet. They called out, Brothers, what should we do? What must we do to be saved? And Peter, being Peter, he didn't hang around. He said, Believe and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful thing. So the Holy Spirit came and all these things happened. And it was repeated at Cornelius' house in Caesarea. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were added to the church. Wow, wouldn't you like to preach like that? Oh man. At Cornelius' house, it said that all who heard the message believed and were baptised. Now then, isn't that fascinating? Anybody remember what our verse for the year is? I'm not going to test you, it's fine. It's in Luke chapter 10, verses 2 and 3. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out 
like lamb, lambs among wolves. Hee <laughs> we've got three lambs at home that we're bottle feeding at the moment. But see these little mites of lambs, we got them from, you know, Nicola who comes along, her husband, uh, Simon's a shepherd, and we, we took three lambs from them, the bottle feeding, it's lovely. But see these little lambs and let them out amongst the wolves. Oh dear. We saw an event at Pentecost that was dramatic and life-changing and empowering and emboldening. We saw another event at Cornelius' house that was dramatic, that was enlivening, emboldening, empowering. The Celtic Christians saw it when they chased the wild goose, as they called the Holy Spirit. They were emboldened, they were empowered. We see it in all sorts of ways. But were those just events of history? I love that bit about making history rather than just reading about it, but making a bit of church history. Or is that power, that emboldening of the Holy Spirit available to each and every one of us every day? Yeah. And can we, do we have a right, do we, should we expect God to pour out his Spirit on us uh, in, in dramatic ways. Well, back on the day of Pentecost, where Peter's preaching, let's actually let's read the whole thing. He quotes Joel chapter two, two from the Old Testament, and he says this: "In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions." Your old men will dream dreams. By the way, I'm happy. I'm still seeing visions, not dreaming dreams. <laughs> Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. But that first bit, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And from Pentecost onwards, that has been available to the whole of the church. To every person who accepts Jesus Christ as their Saviour and Lord. Every person who comes to him and says, Lord, I've messed up. Forgive me for what I've done that offends you. I want to be your follower. Do you know, we still mess up, but the Holy Spirit is poured out for each and every one of us. And we can expect to see the Holy Spirit move upon us. Amen. You know, it's amazing when you move under that type of anointing and power. I, some of you will know that a few weeks ago I went off on an impact training week uh, with Jonathan Conrath. For those who don't know, Jonathan's a friend of this church who has quite a dramatic ministry. Um, it's all over the world, Africa, Asia, um, quite a lot in the UK, more than I realised actually. Um, but he teaches you in the use and of the Holy Spirit gifts in reaching out to people. And I went for a week's training with him. They call it impact weeks. And typical of that type of thing, you don't sit in the classroom too much, you're out doing it very quickly. And it was amazing. To, we were up in Burton on train. It was amazing to walk out onto the streets of Burton and just engage people in conversation and see God work. There's, I was outside McDonald's and that's totally... Immaterial. I wasn't in McDonald's, I was outside McDonald's. And um, just got chatting with a young lad. And I looked at him. 
And I just sensed such pain in his, in his life. And I said to him, you've got such pain in your life, haven't you? And he just broke down. And he cried and he let us pray for him. I'd like to tell you he became a Christian, but he didn't. But that was one of us a step on his journey. Yeah. And it's amazing. <laughs> I think the funniest story from the week, and it just, you know, just shows how God works. When we were doing the trainings, the church was a bit like ours. You've got the main church auditorium at the front and the church hall behind it. And most of the sessions were in the church hall behind it. But on, I think it was a Wednesday morning, I can't remember, um, we, there was another meeting book to be in the church hall. So we had to come and do our training in the church. So we sat in the church and uh, the, the, the training that morning was on deliverance ministry. Nothing dramatic, you know, just a bit of deliverance ministry. And um, this lady came in and none of us had seen before. And she sat down and thought, okay, fair enough. And it wasn't actually Jonathan doing the training. It was one of the trustees of his charity who was doing it. And uh, he's talking about how people can be set free from demonic influences on their life and all of this, which is all true and all powerful and part of what we do. And this lady who'd come in and sat there started crying. Then she started weeping. Then she started manifesting various things. So some of our guys, were, girls went over to her and started praying with her and talking to her. And um, this lady um, gave her life to Jesus there and then. She was also healed and she was also delivered. Which was quite a shock because she turned up for the World War II lecture in the other hall. <laughs> <laughs> God works in all sorts of ways when you allow his holy spirit. <laughs> she, she thought it was quite funny. <laughs> God works in all sorts of ways when we allow his holy spirit to empower us. It, it, it's, oh, it's exciting. In our mission communities, we're seeing it, aren't we? We're seeing God starting to touch people. Seek more. Seek more of his Holy Spirit. Yeah. Reaching out to people. Emboldening you to have the right word for the right person. To speak words of life where there's death. Hope where there's despair. Oh, be wild goose chasers. Yeah. At the festival next week there are going to be opportunities folks. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be short of opportunities to talk about Jesus. The question will be, do we do it or not? And I know, and this is a church of praise, and I know that we'll be praying and we'll be seeking God. And we'll be asking that Holy Spirit to embolden us and enliven us. And to give us vision, which person to speak to. Yeah, I get quite, quite fed up hitting my head against a brick wall. It hurts. I'd much rather be talking to somebody where the Holy Spirit has already prepared the ground. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I'm not, you know, I'll go out on the streets and do street evangelism and that. As, I'm not particularly comfortable doing it, but I'll do it. I, I hate door-to-door -door work. As an evangelist, you get you know, all the trainers who've got to go out and do door-to-door -door work. I hate door-to-door -door work. It, it just doesn't do it for me somehow. So I, I thought my, so some friends of mine, well, quite a few years ago now, had a great approach. They were on a training course and they got sent out to do door-to-door -door work on this, around the streets where we used to live. And they were like me, it wasn't their cup of tea at all. 
So they said, what are we going to do? So they said, right, we're standing on the corner and we're praying. And we're praying and we're praying until God shows us which door to knock on to. Not knock on. So they prayed for about half an hour, two blokes. And they said, it's that one, isn't it? And they said, yeah, it's that one. So they went and knocked on the door. They said, hello, we're from the local church. And we just come out. And the woman broke down in tears, invited them in. They talked to her about Jesus. They prayed for her healing. Oh, I'd much rather do it that way personally, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's so much easier. Let, let the Holy Spirit lead us. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't ever do those other things. Don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me. Because they're right and proper in, in, in the right circumstances. But let's be led by the Holy Spirit. Next Saturday, when we're down on Veer Island, and somebody walks up to you, just throw up a prayer saying, Lord, what shall I say to this one? When somebody comes into your mission community gazebo to see what you're up to, Lord, how can I encourage this person? Just ask the Holy Spirit to lead us. But we are set now like lambs among wolves, which is why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think we need to have as many Pentecost experiences as possible, to be honest. I think we need to be pursuers of the wild goose, pursuers of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise we will get torn up, but we won't be if we pursue. You know, Ephesians 5.18 says this, don't get drunk on wine, which is always a good advice actually. Don't get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we've got a few theologians in here, I've got to be careful, but my understanding is that in the Greek, that's in the present continuous tense. And what it's really saying is, don't get drunk on wine. Instead, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't stop! Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's got to be our hearts. It's a much more exciting Christianity when you do that. It's a much more exciting faith when you do that. So go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. How are we doing that? You know, style's not important. It's substance that's important. I, uh, I used to attend a conference uh, once a year up in the Midlands. And one year... At this conference, there were three main speakers. One was a guy called Ken Gott from Sunderland Christian Centre. Another one was Jay John. Most of you will have heard of Jay John. And the third one was Nicky Gunnell, who some of you may have heard of. Um, Nicky Hills obviously leads the whole Alpha movement. Now, Ken is a raving nut of Pentecostal. All right? He knows the Holy Spirit is deaf. And he knows the Holy Spirit doesn't speak English. You can only understand tongues. So he's up one end of the platform. You've got J. John down here, John doing his stuff, you know, his lovely Mediterranean type of way that John does it. And you've got, you've got Dale, Nicky Gumbel in the middle. So Ken's up this end and he's ministering to people, yeah, she on me, yeah, she on me. He's really going for it, I tell you. Typical Pentecostal. <laughs> you've got John. Yeah, God's just speaking to you, like that. And you've got Nicky. Well, Holy Spirit, wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind awfully just putting in an appearance, would be particularly grateful. It was chaos. There's people doing backflips over the chairs, all sorts of things going on. Style was totally different. The filling of the Holy Spirit was the same. Amen. 
So let's not get hung up on style. Don't get hung up with people shouting now and again. It was fascinating that night, because some people were going, you look at them, you say they were going crazy. Others were just sitting quietly contemplating. What's the Holy Spirit doing with you? So don't get hung up on style, but let the Holy Spirit move in your lives. Interestingly, both in the upper room at Pentecost and at Cornelius' house, the message was believe and be baptised. So Ollie's just going to play something for us now. Here at Tottenham United Free, we believe in baptism. We love baptising people. Um, Last, last time I saw that, it had different music to it and was in colour. <laughs> but we love baptising people here at Tottenham United Free. And the word says, believe and be baptised. It doesn't say believe, then reach a certain standard and be baptised. It doesn't say believe and do a three-year theology course and be baptised. It just says believe and be baptised. Now, we do like to have an evening with people before we baptise them here. That's just something we do here. Uh, and actually, it's really helpful because it gives us a chance to pray about things and, and to look at living that nice, new, clean life. But is Lyndon here or has he gone out? I've got Lyndon's permission to say this. Just before Lyndon got baptised, I was privileged to spend an evening with him as part of the wider group getting baptised. And that evening, just spending time seeking God with him, and praying about things in his life. He, he, if you ask Lyndon about it, he'll say that still impacts him today. Yeah. And that, so it's really worthwhile doing. Yeah. Yeah. But I've got to say to you this, guys. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you have asked Jesus into your life, if you say, yeah, Jesus, I acknowledge you as Lord and Saviour, and you've not been baptised, let's make AIDS life difficult. Let's mess up his preaching plan. <laughs> By having so many baptismal services, he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> because I'm going, all I want to say is, it says believe and be baptised. Yeah. So if you're a follower of Jesus and haven't been baptised, have a think about it. Have a pray about it. And let's get it on, shall we? Yes. Yeah. You know, I think it's really important. It, it, it seals something in your lives. 
So, if that's the case, you know, I'm tripping over my shoelace. Excuse me for a second. Wait. And then, when you have thought about it, have a chat with Aid or Mary or your community leaders or any of us, and we can help with getting that there. Now, how am I going to finish this morning's talk? What are we going to do? Firstly, I just can't resist the opportunity to say if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, if you're a seeker, if you're somebody who's been looking to find out whether all this stuff about Jesus is true, then today's an opportunity to pray and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour. Ask him to forgive your sins, to fill you with the Holy Spirit and give you that emboldening, empowering life to live clean rather than dirty, to live with hope rather than despair. So in a few minutes, or a very few minutes, we're going to give the opportunity to pray about that. Okay? Let's do that now. Shall we stand? I'm just, let's close our eyes. I'm just going to pray a prayer. And if you want to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour this morning, if you want to give your life to him, just pray this prayer along with me in your heart, okay? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross all those years ago to take the punishment for my sin. Thank you that you rose again three days later, defeating sin and sickness and death and that by following you I can know that empowering by following you I can know what it is to live in Jesus thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to fill us and help us lead lead the life of Jesus dear Jesus I now invite you to come into my life Forgive my sins and fill me with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, whilst we're still quiet, whilst we've still got our eyes shut, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, can you do me a favour? Can you just stick your hand up quick so that we can just have a little chat afterwards? That would be really nice. So if anybody has prayed that prayer, it would be really nice just to know if you could indicate Okay, the second thing I think I want to pray about is this thing that I was saying about baptism. If God's touched your heart about being baptised today and it's something you want to look into or something you're convinced you want to do and you've not been baptised before but you are a follower of Jesus, it would be good to indicate that as well because it seals something. So if you're thinking about being baptised or you want to find out more about it, will you just lift your hand up for me? <coughs> Thank you. Thank you. Any more? There should be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's great, thanks. Liz, can you and the band come back up, please? Thanks. <coughs> 
What I'm going, what I'd like to do now is just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and presence himself in the room with us. Hopefully, I believe the Holy Spirit's been here already, actually, don't you? Yes. Yeah. But we'd like to invite the Holy Spirit to come and touch us. And if you want a fresh touch from the King, if you want to sense that Holy Spirit emboldening and filling again, there's nothing wrong with going on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So as we pray, if you'd like to receive that, just hold your hands out. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, thank you for your gorgeous, wonderful presence amongst us. And we ask you to make that presence more now. We invite you into this place, Holy Spirit. Come and touch us, fill us, renew us, refresh us. Let's just wait on him. Just wait. Mm -hmm.